We're going to be in Isaiah, um, starting in chapter 40. It's not in your bulletin because we're actually going to be jumping uh, a little bit through uh, Isaiah as we continue our series and our summer in praying through Scripture. So would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you. Father, thank you that you are a God who keeps promises. Thank you, God, that you have promised us that you would always be with us and that we can rest in that. And even this morning as we are singing and fellowshipping and enjoying our our time with you and with one another, God, we know that you are with us. You are very present. Holy Spirit, you dwell in the hearts of believers. God, you are receiving our affections. Jesus, you are on the throne. You, You are here. You've ordained our steps. You have placed us here in this moment this morning. We know it is not an accident that we are here today. It's not an accident for those who are watching online. And we just stop and pause and acknowledge that you are God, that you are good, and that you are sovereign, and that you are here. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been practicing just praying through Scripture. And remember we, we talked about last week how our goal is we want you to see praying Scripture as, na- as natural as reading Scripture. My hope is that as we do this through the summer and as you implement this in your daily rhythms, that it would become so second nature that you would not any longer just um, ever read Scripture from an intellectual standpoint, but that you would be praying it as you read it. And um, one of the things that I wanted us to do when we, when we talked about, okay, what do we want to touch on this summer, is I wanted us to practice praying the promises of God. Because Scripture is full of promises from God. Because we have a, a promise-making God and a promise-keeping God. He, and He doesn't make promises like you and I do. So you and I make promises that really translated, if we're honest, even at our best, they're translated as, I hope to make that ha- happen. I hope this is the case because we don't really have control. We can't ever make a full promise and guarantee. And so, um, but God is not that way, right? God doesn't make promises the way that we make promises. He, when God makes a promise, he keeps it without exception. And so when we come to promises in scripture, it's a really important thing to hold on. Whenever God says, I will do this this is what's going to happen, then that's something that we know is going to happen. And so it's good for us to think through, how do I pray when I come to passages like that? Deuteronomy 7, 9 says that, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. So there's no, there's no time limit on his promises. And I want us to, to pray through what, is, what I think is the greatest promise that God gives us. It's kind of the root foundational promise that God gives his people over and over again. And that is the promise that God is with us. It's the, it's the promise that he most frequently gives to his people to encourage them. When they need encouragement, his most often, his most common encouragement to them is, I am God and I am with you. It's what he uses to encourage them when they are in slavery, when they are in exile, when they're wandering in the desert, when they are in battle. He says, I am with you. Now, it's not always the promise that the people of God want. 
right? Like that's not always what they want his number one promise to be. Like when they're in battle, what they want is the promise of immediate and quick, decisive victory. When they're exiled, what they want is the promise of going home right now. And we can relate to that, right? I mean, if we're honest, if we look at our prayers and really take inventory of our prayers, I think most of us would, if we were being honest, a lot of times we would say, you know, God, more than your presence, I want, I want comfort. I want relief. That's why so many of our prayers are about external circumstances and not about his presence. We pray for the removal of hard circumstances and the presence of easy ones. And so really what we find ourselves saying is, yeah, I, I love the idea of your presence. That's, that's great and everything. But you know what I'd like more than your presence right now is I'd like you to fix this thing in my life right now. Like that's really what I would like. Or, or your presence is nice and I love that on Sunday morning I get that feeling or whatever. But better than that is for you to protect me right now from this thing that I'm afraid of. Or to deliver this thing that I really want. And it's so ingrained in our prayers that we start to assume that those things are intertwined, that God's presence and my comfort are correlated, that they're intertwined, that they go together. And that starts to come out when we believe that when, if I'm with God, then things will go smoothly. And we demonstrate that when we're seeking God's will for our lives. All the time, I do this, I hear it from people all the time, that we, we, I, we assume that if it's God's will, then it'll be easy. That it'll go smoothly. And so often we, we make decisions in our life trying to discern the will of God by the path of least resistance. You know, when we say different things like, well, all the dominoes fell in place or all the doors opened or, or whatever the case is. And I'm not saying that's not a sign of God working, but it's certainly not a guarantee. Right? And so if we just go around looking for that and saying, okay, path of least resistance, we might find ourselves actually going outside of the will of God. Because all you have to do is read the Bible just a little bit to see that that's never the path. That's never the thing that God says. Often the road God asks us to walk, often the will of God, the the road that is his will, is fraught with danger and resistance. Think about all the things that have been said through Scripture. Narrow is the road. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. Even the, the people of God walking across the Red Sea or taking a promised land through land of giants, or the psalmist, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, or though the mountains crumble around me and the earth gives way. It seems that the spiritual road we walk as God's children is much less like a a frolic through the open meadow, like in this field, and far more like trudging through a war zone with chaos all around us. In fact, if you think about all the heroes of the Bible that we read about and that we love to try to emulate and learn about who God is and what he does, none of them. I mean, you think about all of them like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, David, Daniel, Job, Peter, Paul, John, Stephen, on and on and on and on. Not one of them has the story of, I trusted God, everything was awesome, the end. Right? Now, afterwards, if you come up and find one for me, like, please do. But like, that's not the story that's told over and over and over again. And so when the people of God are afraid or anxious or grieving or struggling, God's consistent answer to them is, I am with you. 
And understand, he's not saying it from a distance with lacking compassion. It's not, it's not like, oh, it's not a big deal. Not like, stop your whining. I am with you. It is, I'm with you. That's what he comforts his people with. It's why Jesus is named Emmanuel. It's such an important promise that it's one of those names given to Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. And we sang about Emmanuel this morning. God with us. The Gospel of Matthew quotes Isaiah 7. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That is the sign that God said would be given so that his people would not be overcome. His presence is so crucial that Moses refuses to go forward without it in Exodus 33. He says, if you're not going, I'm not going. We can't go. You have to go with us. Your presence has to be with us. And so it's so critical that we understand how do I pray this? How do I rest in this? How do I understand this presence of God, his promise that he is with us? And prayer in itself is practicing the presence of God, right? It's practicing being mindful that God is as near as he says. That's why Paul commands us to to pray without ceasing. It's not because we have to constantly remind God of our situation, but it's that we need to be constantly reminded that he is with us. And that presence, by the way, is not just felt in us speaking to him, but it's listening to him. So remember, this is, a, this is a crucial thing about praying scripture, is that praying scripture is understanding that God is speaking to you. Maybe you've been taught about prayer, and that when you're ta- often when we teach about prayer, we just talk about the speaking side, and not so much on the listening side, because we don't really know necessarily how to do that. Sometimes it can feel weird. And we say, like, well, that's kind of a weird conversation, If like you're in a conversation with somebody and they do all the talking, then you may be in a conversation with me, but you may also find yourself doing that with God and that doesn't make for a very good conversation. And so we're called to listen. And so often people say, well, how do I know God's voice? How do I listen to him? And the simplest, most foundational way we hear his voice is through his living word. That is the most basic and he speaks in other ways for sure. But he speaks always, without fail, through his word. And so praying scripture is understanding that God is speaking to you. You're not reading some textbook from long ago. You're hearing God's word to you today. So part of praying scripture is hearing the voice of God through his word. And so we're going to do that here this morning through Isaiah. And I want to do this by just addressing different people that are here with us today. Not specific by name. I got several head jerks up like, what? Yeah, like, so like Steve. So let's take Steve. No, I'm not doing that, all right? Um, What I'm doing is saying maybe things that you're going through right now that you'd be identifying with. And so as I read through some of these passages in Isaiah, these were the things that came to mind, people in our congregation that came to mind. The first one is if you are in this crew this morning, whether you're online or here, and you're feeling forgotten. You're feeling like God doesn't exist. You're feeling like God fell asleep at the wheel. In Isaiah 40, verse 27, it says this. Isaiah 40, verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, 
the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Now look, I could read that passage, and normally what would follow is a breaking down of 15 or 20 minutes about all the intricacies of that and how you can know that the Lord your God is with you and that he hears you and that you're not forgotten. And that is great to do. We do that and and we should study that, but we should also be praying it because from passages like this, we know that he's not busy, that he's not missing us, that he hasn't forgotten us, that he is the everlasting God. And we can understand that in our head, but for it to seep into our hearts, I would say we need to be praying it, not just reading it, but praying it, making it the core of your conversation with God. And so I might look at that and say, God, why do I think you've abandoned me? Why do I think you've forgotten about me? Have I not known? Have I not heard my entire life that you are the everlasting God? the creator of the ends of the earth. You don't faint or grow weary. Your understanding is unsearchable. You know me in every bit of my situation and my heart. Now, do you see the difference between just reading about these things, these things about God, and actually communicating them to him? Like, it's the difference between me reading about how Lauren cares for me and how she loves me and just knowing about it and actually speaking to her when I'm feeling any of that doubt and looking at her in the face and saying these things. Like, how could I have forgotten this? How could I not remember? And so we need to be reminded of doing that. And so we look at that and say, God, your, your understanding of the situation is far beyond mine. You know what's happening in my body, in my heart, in my family, in my kids' minds. You created it all. You don't get distracted. You don't get overwhelmed. You don't get tired. Why would I ever think that you do? So we pray that. And even as you're praying that, you may think, okay, well, he may not get tired, but I'm done. I'm exhausted. I'm worn out. Maybe that's you. You're saying, okay, I get it that God is there, and I even could say that to him, but I am spiritually depleted. I'm emotionally drained. I'm physically done. And he keeps going. Verse 29, he gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And so passages like this, many of you have heard this passage. And if you don't even, even if you've never read the Bible, you probably, it's, this is one of the coffee mug verses, okay? And we love these kinds of verses. They go on, they go on posters, they go on signs, they go on coffee mugs, and with good reason. But I just want to encourage you, don't just read about this, but pray this. And he gives strength to the weary. Those who hope in the Lord will soar on wings like eagles. That we start thinking this and considering that people, people don't transcend their circumstances. God carries them over them. Right? It's his presence that does that. Listen here, just for a second here. This, my weariness, my fatigue is not answered or defeated in just my own rest. In just finding some me time to carve out and just getting a break. That's not how I will find true rest. It's those who put their hope in the Lord who will be renewed. 
And now because I know that a lot of you are very literal in, in some of these things, and I will get comments about like, or, or later it'll come up, well, Jay said that it's wrong to take a vacation. It's wrong to take a day off. It's wrong to go do a hobby. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is simply this. If your hope is in that day off, in that vacation, in that hobby to renew you, you will not find rest. You will not be receiving the promise that God has for you. But if your hope is in the Lord, then you will be renewed. Not you might be renewed. Not, hey, it's a good plan and hey, here's something to try. It's his promise. Those who wait on the Lord will have their strength renewed. I just encourage you to try that sometime. The next time you get a break or a time away, you get 15 minutes to yourself, you get a break at work, you get a, a day off, seek the Lord. Seek his presence. While you're doing the other things, seek his presence. Be mindful of his presence. And tell me if that's not more restful. It's not a new idea. This is what he's always said. My, my, my presence is what will give you rest. And so we pray that. We look at this passage, I pray it. God, I am faint. Give me power. I have no might. Increase my strength. I know everybody around me, including myself, will grow faint and weary. And everybody around me will do that. They will, they will collapse from fatigue. But those who wait on you will renew their strength. God, help me to put my hope in your presence. Help me to believe that your presence is better than these other things that I think will give me rest. And so many of you right now, it's been really encouraging to hear the stories through this pandemic and through the last several months of what God has been doing in your lives. And that brought to mind, as I'm praying through this and thinking through this, is another group of people. People who have felt the renewal of God's strength. They've felt God renewing them and giving them life and they've got a breath of fresh air and they've found, they've remembered their first love and they are pursuing Jesus. But now they're being called to go down a road and they're, they're a little timid to go down this road. That they're saying, okay, God, I think I know what you're asking of me, but I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I have the courage to do that. Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So look what he says there. Why are we not to fear this road in front of us? Because he is with us. Not because the road isn't scary. Not because it's not fraught with danger. Not that the, because there's not risk. I talk to people all the time and they say, I feel like God is asking me to do this, but and then they list all the, the scary things that could happen if they go down that road. And the answer has to be, yeah, those things could happen. That absolutely could happen. But the Lord your God is with you. Do not be dismayed. This is nothing new. When Moses passes the torch to Joshua, he tells him that he's going to be the one to lead the people into the promised land. Can you imagine receiving that? Moses says, hey, look, you're the one that's going to do this. I mean, receiving that torch, receiving that baton, can you imagine that? And do you know what Moses says to him? Probably looking at Joshua's face of like, what? Am I going to be able to do that? I mean, what does Moses say to him? He says, Joshua, 
You can do this, man. You're the best. You're a super strong leader. I don't know why God didn't pick you from the beginning. I've seen so much growth in you. You are absolutely able to do this. This is where you should be saying, shaking your heads and going, no, that's not, that's not what he said. Robbie gave me a half head shake. He was like, wait, where are you going with this? I don't think that's what he said. No, that's not what he said. He says this, Joshua, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. That's the better promise for Moses to give Joshua. Not, hey, he's been preparing you. You've got all these skills. You have these abilities. Look at how people respond to you. Look at, look at your faithfulness. Like, you've got this. That is not at all what he says. He says, God is going to go before you, and he's going to be with you. Think about when Jesus, thousands of years later, gives the great commission to the disciples. The plan where he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So he's giving this little group of imperfect people who have all abandoned him very recently and saying, you're going to go and spread this to the ends of the earth, which is pretty big marching orders. It's a pretty daunting road to be walking down. And when you can imagine a similar look of expression on their faces that maybe was on Joshua's face of, we're going to do what now? That we're not going to do that. Like you're staying and you're going to go do that. And he says, no, you're going to go do this. And what does Jesus say to encourage them? Does he say, hey guys, you're a great team. You got to look at the spread of gifts you've got all around you. If you just work together, there's nothing you can't accomplish. Hopefully you're getting the pattern by now. And now you'd be like, no, that's not actually what he says. What does he say? He says, all authority has been given to me. And then he says, I am with you always to the end of the age. Church, what, what has God asked of you? I can guarantee you he has not asked you to just live a, a private life with no influence on anybody else. Who has he asked you to get into the trenches with? Who has he asked you to share the gospel with? Who has he asked you to serve sacrificially? What has he called you to lay aside? My guess is that if you've been following Jesus, you have some of those things. And if you're like me, you've suffered from doubt because maybe you're looking at your own strength and your own circumstances. Church, lift up your head. Listen to the voice of God in his word. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It's different to just read it than praying it and receiving that and listening to the very words of God. Because as we're listening to those words, we can respond and say, I don't, I don't need to fear because you are with me. I don't need to be dismayed or discouraged because you are my God. I know that you will strengthen me. You will equip me. You will help me. You will uphold me. That's how we pray that. 
finally, I want to look at a group of people who are just dealing with massive mountains in their lives, massive obstacles that are just afraid right now, that they can't even, can't even get to that place where you're saying, I, I remember what that was like. I remember when I used to be on fire like that. I feel like God was calling me to something right now. But right now, I am so terrified of this thing that's going on around me. I'm feeling so attacked. I'm feeling like I cannot handle any of this anymore. Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. So whether you are feeling those obstacles right now, or you're even thinking, maybe just a moment ago, you're thinking, okay, I know the road God has called me to, and I've been afraid, but I know he is with me, and so I'm going to walk that road. Well, then this is going to come in handy. That when you walk through the fire, and when the waters overwhelm you, you will not be burned. They won't overwhelm you. You will withstand them. And what keeps you there? What keeps you from being overwhelmed by those things? It's the presence of God. The fact that you belong to him. That's the reason that we stop fearing in the midst of those circumstances. Not that those things will stop happening. Not that we would find our hope in keeping those things from happening, but that no matter what happens, he is with you and you are his. And we are called to defeat our fear through the presence of his strength. We, we have friends, good friends in town, and we went um, to the Young Family Zoo a couple of days ago which is, I don't mind saying, one of the strangest places on earth. And I just was thinking about the contrast of just what I've thought about before. I was like, we used to live in Colorado, and in Colorado you go hiking in the mountains, and if you've ever been to Colorado hiking in the mountains, you have to be aware, and there's usually signs posted, but there are, there are scary things in the, amount, in the mountains of Colorado. You need to be aware of ma- mainly the big things when we've hiked there are bears, mountain lions, and rattlesnakes. So all those things are somewhat terrifying in different situations. And so when, when I would go on a hike with my kids, I'd always be aware of those things. And if I had seen any of them, I would definitely have a fearful response. Now, hopefully I'd keep my wits about me or whatever, but I would be legitimately scared if I saw a mountain lion kind of stalking us from the side. But I noticed that in the zoo a couple days ago that we stood even closer to even more dangerous animals, and I wasn't afraid once. Why? Because Not because those animals were less dangerous, but because of the presence of other strength, the presence of the fences, the presence of the trainers, the presence of the people who were slower than me if the animals did get out. Like I took comfort in all of those things, and it all equated to, I'm not scared. And so the thing is that whatever thing is causing your fear or anxiety, my bet is that your main prayer, again, if you're like me, your main prayer has probably been that those circumstances would go away. 
But the first prayer God tells us to pray is that he would be with us. The presence of the one who says, not even a sparrow falls without my say-so. And you are far more valuable than sparrows. So pray it. Listen to his voice. I want you to do me a favor and picture the thing that is causing you the most fear and anxiety right now. Maybe it's the thing that you don't even want to think about. It's just something in your mind, in your heart. Maybe even in this moment, something pops up into your mind that you're like, I didn't even know I was afraid of that. I wasn't even thinking about that. But I want you to think about that thing and listen to his voice. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. This is the word of the Lord. And it is beautiful. So you may be asking the question, it's an important one, of how do I know that these promises are for me? Are they just for everybody? Well, the Bible is very clear. And he says it in this passage, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. So who is he speaking to? Those who belong to him. Those who belong to him are those who have laid down their lives and taken on the life of Jesus Christ and have received forgiveness for their sins and have said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. It says you are bought with a price. So a question for you this morning. If you hear these promises and you say, I, I want those to be true. I believe that God can fulfill those and I want those to be true. But how do I know that they're for me? Will you know that they're for you if you have placed your trust with Jesus? If you would say, I identify with Christ. I belong to him. Through the work of the cross, he has made a way to be reconciled to him. And not, not part way, not just in a way that says, yeah, like I, I, I agree with this thing in, in principle and I go to church and I'm a good person. Not in that kind of way, but in saying, I am yours. I belong to you. I am no longer my own. To say with Paul that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, in the flesh I live by faith, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what it means to belong to God. And when you belong to God, you have his presence and he is with you. And it turns out that his presence is far better than all of the best circumstances. His presence chases away all of our feelings of being forgotten or abandoned with being truly known and loved. His presence chases away all of our fatigue and renews our strength. His presence chases away all of our insecurities and fills us with boldness. His presence chases away our fears and makes us persevere. His presence reminds us that we are his and we are loved. And that is so much 
better. I'm going to ask the the band to come up. And when we sing the closing song, I just want to encourage you to sing it to God. Be mindful. This is what we always should be doing. But we are going to sing scripture here at the end. And to know that these are true promises. Because the promise of his presence is so much better. Father, in Isaiah 54, you say, and we pray this to you this morning. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed. But your steadfast love, God, shall not depart from us. And your covenant of peace shall not be removed. You speak these words to us, Lord, and you have compassion on us. So we thank you for this, Lord. We thank you that you are near to us. And I pray that we would be mindful of that this morning. That we would sing in response to this glorious truth. Amen.